Hello, Colin. Hello, Scott. How are you today? Doing great. How are you? Good. We got another good interview coming up, my friend. Oh, yeah. No, I'm excited. We are interviewing the director of the Jello Museum in upstate New York. J-E-L-L-O J-E-L-L-O We'll talk in a bit, Colin, but uh, I mean, that's what I wanted to announce Excited for this interview It's coming up within the next hour You're listening to CKUT 90.3 The Tuesday morning show Every Tuesday from 7am to 9am I'll speak to you guys in a, a little bit.
CKUT 90.3 FM. You're listening to the Tuesday morning show. That's every Tuesday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. CKUT 90.3 in Montreal or CKUT.ca online. Here again with my friend Colin on the other side of the computer. The other side of the country. Not even the country, my dude. Other side of the continent. A continent, different country. Colin, are you a are you a Jello fan? Am I a Jello fan? Yes. Yes, I am a Jello fan. Favorite, any flavors? Well, are we talking strictly Jello, the gelatin mold, or are we talking about Jello, the company that also makes pudding? Um, I'm, we're talking strictly gelatin. Okay. Not pudding. I would say orange. Orange, orange is good. That's right. Yeah. I, I have to or say lime. Lime's good. I think that's the only I've had. I, I think it's more of a texture thing for me. Putting you don't whatever, like it? No, I do. Oh, okay, yeah. Put in whatever flavor you want in there. I don't care. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it just reminds me, it's kind of like a nostalgia thing. Like, when I was sick with a sore throat, like, my mom would give me Jello whenever I was a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was always, like, a nice treat because it was cold and it would, like, soothe your throat. And it tasted awesome. Right. Yeah, exactly. Wait, well, how do you feel about Jello parfaits? What's a Jello parfait? It's like cubed Jello with like whipped cream, kind of mixed into it. Oh hell yeah! My grandma used to make Jello for me. Is like reminiscent of my dad's side of the family. They're like Midwestern, like ambrosia salad and like Jello making. Ambro- doesn't that have coconut in it though? Yeah. <laughs> no that's the thing. I'm like very intrigued with like this like early to mid-century middle American dessert diet and Jello included. Yeah. That's what made me get into this because like Jello, you know, we have like we talk about food trends like nowadays. <laughs> there's food trends every year, but Jello was a food trend in the early to mid yeah yeah 20th century. It was popular. It was like very common for people to bring jello molds to other people as a form of like a, I don't know, a housewarming gift and such as. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I think it kind of represented it. It's like the same era where, like, you know, the microwave became popular and I'm just interested in uh, I don't know I'm interested in why it is popularity decreased in the 80s maybe it has to do with the um, the classic old wives tale of the horses the what? you know how they always say jellos made the horse hooves Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a pure gelatin is animal byproduct, but nowadays most gelatin 
as mass-produced is not because it's too expensive. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I think in the in the fifties and earlier there was this like optimism about the future and about technological increases where people were embracing things like the microwave and things like Jello. It was like kind of this like futuristic uh, culmination of of industrialization. And I feel like once people became kind of disillusioned with that is when it lost its popularity. Nowadays, I feel like people don't like microwaves, and they definitely don't like Jello. Jello is mocked. Yeah, true. And people almost want to. Obviously, yeah, but it's funny because I feel like my. What? (laughs) What you you were saying something? Oh, I. uh, I was saying that my. (laughs) I guess you were still talking. I wasn't. I was my uh, was pop- my uh, popularity of sorry. My love of Jello came back. I think when I was able to uh, become drinking age again, and you could get Jello shots at the bar. Oh yeah, Jello shots are great. It's like a pretty common thing, you know. Uh, shout out to our friend Maddie Morton, who loves uh, going to the bar, getting Jello shots, and making you take them off of random parts of someone else's body well colin we're at we're like the hand like the hand okay yeah that that sounds good you're at the bar come on yeah that's true but i I don't know i just i don't want to leave any room here (laughs) uh yeah yeah i also enjoy there are some like really interesting jello molds i've seen that can and like like koi fish jello molds and i've seen people put different like colors herbs and things within jelly to make it and it makes it really beautiful honestly it really i mean there has to have been some kind of photographer or something that's based their series off of jello molds and you know imagine zooming in on it there are a few yeah, lighting it from different angles that mm-hmm. look pretty cool mm-hmm. there are a few artists that use jello as a medium um, oh yeah Sharona Franklin who is actually based out of Vancouver she's a Canadian artist um, her food her, her art necessarily isn't necessarily food based but I think some of her background of I think her family used Jell-O a lot in her in, in their gatherings I think I, I'd have to double check but um, she does a lot of like she uses jelly as her medium and, and puts objects and different things within the jelly but it's like very very cool um very very cool art yeah i'm actually looking at jello art right now i google image searched it and there is way more amazing things that i would have ever thought of yeah it's great stuff i think i think someone someone just made one that looks like a baby in a womb damn it legit Creepy. looks like a baby, like floating in embryonic fluid. Damn. Well, I would say that uh, art is the new home for Jello because it's not going to be mainstream culinary institutions. Whoa, that's creepy. I don't like that. That's like on. <laughs> that's on Candy Valley right there. Well, on that note, let's just let's just resume with this show. 
Yeah, let's get back to it. <laughs> okay. You're listening to CKUT 90.3. Remember, you can find the set list at CKUT.Tuesday on Instagram. Say 
love grapes. Some people put grapes in jello and that just ruins a good grape. Don't do that. Jello is, je- how do the jello people even stay in business? Honestly, are there that many people recovering from surgery that they can still sell jello? Honestly, have you ever been craving jello, dying for some jello, had a hankering for a hunk of jello, said to your best friend, you know what I could go for? And they scream, jello? No, can't even get it at a restaurant. Can only get it at a diner. Late at night, they're like, well, they're probably drunk. Maybe we can push some jello off on them. <laughs> jello. Oh my gosh. You can get it at a diner, and they're so proud of their jello at the diner. They put it in that, in that special glass case that rotates ever so slowly so you can see the jello at every angle. So you can watch the jello, call your friends over. Guys, they got jello. Here comes it. Let's watch. Oh, here comes the jello. Oh, jello, yeah. Oh, Jello, but there goes the Jello, but I think it comes to, oh, here it comes around and go, oh, Jello, you're such a tease. Why do you tease me, Jello? Why are you such a tease, you hideous bitch goddess? Come back to me, Jello. And then they have a door in that thing and it's locked. It's locked. You or I can't just go up there and grab some Jello. The general manager, sir, sit down. The general manager will get you your Jello. And then they put the Jello in a crystal wine goblet. That's how proud they are of the Jello. Jello, crystal wine goblet. Meanwhile, carrot cake, the best of all vegetable-based cakes, carrot cake, styrofoam plate, saran wrap top. (laughs) Carrot cake is awesome, and yet carrots are horrible. Carrots are the worst vegetable? No, celery. Celery is the worst vegetable in the world. Celery is, I don't even know how they're still around. I'll tell you why they're still around. And celery should wake up every morning, call Buffalo Wings, and say, thank you. Thank you so much for letting me open for you on the road. I don't know what I'd do if it wasn't for you, Buffalo Wings. You're a good friend. You should work for police. You should push your pride to the army. You should crack the police. Sparrow, Jesse, Macau, Hardys. You should work for police, so now. You should surveillance the neighborhood. Who's surveillance? What about the road? Snaps like some kind of Catholics in hell.
J-E-L-L-O. J-E-L-L-O. Everyone's favorite childhood snack. It's not dessert. It's fun. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's for everything. It's all purpose. Anything else? Uh, that was their slogan. Oh, okay. Anything you're interested in learning about, Colin? Um, I'd like to know if anyone's ever filled up a pool and swam in Jello. <laughs> I wonder if they, if if our interview would even know. <laughs> I know. Well, it seems like if you run a museum, you, you would know that would have to be some kind of world record, right? The largest amount of Jello. Maybe, yeah. Maybe Colin, can we get a number crunch on that? Can you look that up? I mean, I feel like filling up. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, beep, beep. <laughs> I feel like filling up a pool with Jello is like every child's, every child that was exposed to Jello, it was their like dream. Everybody, every child thought of it at one point, like swimming in Jello. Yeah, I told uh, Zoe that. I was gonna do this show with you, and then we're interviewing the Jello. What is it? The Where are they from? The director of the Jello Museum. And that was her question. Has anyone ever filled up a swimming pool and swam in Jello? I mean, I'm it, searching yeah. right now. Good question. I believe our interview is going to tell us a bit about Canada's history of Jello as well. She knows quite a lot. That's awesome. Looks like I just typed in world's largest Jello. Someone filled a 15-ton Jello pool, and they swam in it. Someone did it. They they lived out the dream. Sounds scary, but swimming <laughs> in Jello seems dangerous. Not an adult. Yeah, it looked like you could get stuck in it. You know. Also, it looks kind of liquidy. It doesn't look like they actually did it. Well, I mean, full of gel. I mean, come on. It's death sentence. <laughs> what are you what are you wanting to learn about Jello, Scott? I guess I'm just interested in the demise of Jello as an American household oh, yeah. staple. Really, the anthropological aspect of it been relegated to the past and it's in in jello i just feel like it's widely mocked i don't know if it's actually hello what is widely mocked jello Colin, I'm, I'm losing you what did you say i'm losing you can you hear me All right, listen, Colin, if you can hear me, I am going to reset my internet connection. Yeah, I can hear you. I'm going to reset my internet connection with you, okay? So I'm just going to get back to the music here, and we're going to get you back on 
on air, buddy. Okay? Just don't don't go yet, man. Stay here. Oh, you're here. Are you back? Nope. Okay. All right. Folks. I'm here. You're listening to, to CKUT 90.3. Welcome to the neighborhood. Whale, you taste my Margie's dessert. Dessert? 
I didn't make dessert. Instead, I made some fun. Watch it glimmer, see it shimmer, cool and fruity, jello, brand gelatin of all desserts you'll love the one that tastes so light and makes such fun. Make jello, gelatin and make some fun. You've already made the neighborhood fun. Something. Five minutes away from our Jello interview. Deep within the Trojan horse are praying mantis eyes of yellow. From my hammock in the sky, I sing in canticles to Jello. I sing in pentacles to Jello. 
about will soon be read today jello two minutes folks two minutes but next week is our culture night our biggest best event and i've just made a dish for it you'll all find heaven sent it's my lime jello marshmallow cottage cheese surprise with slices of pimento you won't believe your eyes all topped with a pineapple ring and a dash of mayonnaise my vanilla wafers round the edge will win your highest praise And Mrs. Jones is making scones that are filled with peanut mousse to be followed by a chicken mold that's made in the shape of a goose. For ladies who must watch those pounds, we found a special dish. Strawberry ice and shrined in rice with bits of tuna fish and my live jello marshmallow cottage cheese surprise. Truly a great <laughs> That's right, folks. T-minus one minute, if all goes well here, we will be joined by Lynn Beluccio, the director of the Jell-O Museum over in upstate New York. That's only an hour away from here, you Montrealers. You can go take a trip to that museum as soon as these borders open. And my lime Jell-O marshmallow cottage cheese surprise! I did not steal that recipe. You know those are lies. Lies, I tell you. <laughs> a grand award, a picture hat, and a salmon sequined gown for any girl who tries each dish and keeps her whole lunch down. I'm sure you all are waiting for the biggest news desserts. We've thought of things and molds and rings your diet to subvert. You must try our chocolate layer cake on a peanut brittle base with slices of bananas that make a funny face. And round the edges, peppermints just swimming in peach custard with lovely little curly cues of lovely yellow mustard. If all this is too much for you, permit me to advise more lime jello, marshmallow, cottage cheese surprise. I've made heaps. 
Any minute, folks. Any minute now, you'll be joined by Lynn Belusio. With his wiggly head, his wobbly hand, he's a silly old jello man, oh. Silly old jello man. Here he comes, and he's strawberry red in my fridge day. He makes his bed with his gumdrop eyes, marshmallow head. Silly old jello man, oh. Silly old jello man. See him walking down the street, can't you hear Here we the go, folks. of his feet? He's the wiggliest man you ever will meet. Colin, bring, please greet our guest while I get set up here. Silly old jello man. Here he comes and he's got their red in the fridge. That would be right now, Colin. Oh, sorry, folks, about that. Sorry. Silly old Jello man. Here he comes, and he's dropped there red in the fridge today. He makes his bed, gummed up by his marshmallow head. Silly old Jello man. Silly old Jello man. Yes, everybody loves the Jello man, cause never, never, never does take a stand. So they make him king of Jello land, the silly old Jello man, oh. Silly old Jello man. Silly old Jello man. Silly old Jello man. Okay, folks, CKUT 90.3 FM. You're listening to the Tuesday morning show. That's every Tuesday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. as always. And we are now at that time that we've been waiting for all morning for our interview with the director of the Jello Museum in upstate New York, folks. The one and only Lynn. Hello, Lynn. Hi there. How are you today? <laughs> We're doing good. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. I'm sitting on my front porch. I have to warn you that in the midst of everything, if the dog sees a squirrel, you're going to hear the dog too. So <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely okay. We love dogs on the Tuesday morning show. <clears throat> so, Lynn, just to, to clarify, uh, you're the director of the Jello Museum in upstate New York, correct? Well, I'm really the director of the Leroy Historical Society, and we have the Jello Museum because Jello was introduced in Leroy in 1897. Jello oh. brand. Okay. So J- yeah. Jello was founded in Leroy. Um, yeah, and I want to make a clarification because this, this is sometimes confusing. I mean, there has been gelatin around for hundreds of years. Right. What we're talking, and, and so it depends on whether we're talking about Jello generically <clears throat> because it wiggles and it's made out of gelatin, or whether we're talking about Jello brand gelatin. So, Jello brand gelatin was introduced in 1897 in Leroy. And I'll, okay. I'll take that a little bit further. If you go to somebody's house and they're saying we're having Jello for dessert and they give you chocolate pudding, you're saying, wait a minute, I think I'm supposed to have Jello. Well, you're having Jello brand pudding. So, the brand is on some other products. But when we say Jello, most everybody thinks of the 
you know, jiggly stuff. Right. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about the beginnings of the Jello brand? Yes, there was a carpenter. He was in his 20s. He was in Leroy. He was dabbling at a lot of things, trying to make a little extra money. Um, in the wintertime, when he couldn't be building houses, he mixed together sugar, gelatin, flavoring, and coloring. And his wife came up with the name J-E-L-L hyphen. Oh, it has to have the hyphen. And he didn't patent the recipe. He trademarked J-E-L-L hyphen O. So it really is a trademark that um, he introduced. And um, for two years, he tried getting people interested in buying this new product, and nobody really knew what it was. Um, and so, I mean, one of his advertising things was a couple of little kids standing there saying, we don't get any more whippings because we don't get into our mama's jelly jars anymore. <laughs> well, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how successful a campaign like that would go. But anyway, so after two years, you kind of discouraged Another man in Leroy by the name of Orator Woodward um, offered him uh, $450 and said, anything you got packaged up, I'll buy, and I want the trademark. So the deal went through $450. They would have been several thousand dollars in today's money. And so um, Pearl White was happy. He went off. He built a house and, um, and uh, you know, went his way. And uh, Orator Woodward had the stuff. And... He had trouble selling it, and it was because of advertising. I mean, I think that Jell-O really is an example of how successful an advertising campaign can be because it would be like saying to somebody, do you want a Kleenex if you don't know it's a paper tissue? Or even, uh, you know, do you want an aspirin if you don't know that it's, you know, whatever it is? And Because those are brand names. And so the big thing that Order Woodward was able to do was he hired some of the best um, advertising agencies in New York City to advertise his product. And so by 1904, he had, um, he introduced the Jell-O girl and she was, you know, prominent to produce, you know, to produce that image of Jell-O. And then, um, actually he dies in 1906, but by 1907, Jell-O is grossing a million dollars a year. Wow. That's a pretty good return on a $450 investment. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And and so um, his family retains control of the company, but again, they're, it, it's really the success of advertising. And so they advertise it as America's most famous dessert. Um, by that time, there were, um, and because we're talking to you know folks in Canada, yeah. There was a, um, a plant in Canada, uh, in Bridgeburg, Ontario, which is now Fort Erie. And um, they were manufacturing Jell-O brand gelatin in Canada. And um, as I mentioned to you at one time, we have a box that says Canada's most famous dessert. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, they and it was known in North America, not like Coca-Cola that is known worldwide. Um but it became, um, because they said it was America's most famous dessert, it became America's most famous dessert. And uh, they hired really good illustrationists, um, Norman Rockwell, Maxfield Parrish. Uh, they advertised for Jell-O. Wow, right. no way. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's true, it's true. Uh, and uh, so 
Um, and then other well-known illustration people. And you have to, the other thing that is really critical in this this timeline of when they introduce this very colorful product. I mean, you think of Jell-O, you think of colors, bright colors, you know, yellow and orange and red, mm-hmm. today blue, but not then blue. And um, so how do you get that colorful image into people at a time when the print that is your advertising is black and white? So their early advertising pieces are black and white. Doesn't catch your imagination. If you went into a store, it would say, you know, buy Jell-O, but it was black and white. Right. But what happens is the technology in the print company, and the print companies at that time, goes to color lithography, and all of a sudden you can open the magazine, and there is a beautiful advertisement for a Jell-O in bright red or bright yellow. And so the technology of advertising makes it possible to advertise a very colorful dessert. And that is really critical, too. And uh, and what better product to advertise with colors um, right. is Jell-O, because you think of those bright colors. So there's a lot of things that all come together that if you're studying uh, consumerism, you know, there's things to look at that Jell-O is a phenomenal example of. And like I said, advertising is one of them. And they've always been at the forefront of advertising. Right. Um, when, uh, you know, they, they went into radio advertisements and uh, uh, Jack Benny had a very successful radio show. The whole thing was a Jell-O ad. Um, and, and that hmm. that little song that goes J-E-L-L-O came oh, yeah. with Jack Benny. Um, I don't know the rest of the words to the song, but... Um, uh, you know, so you kind of look at this, and then they start introducing um, other flavors. And, and so the quiz is uh, on a trivia: what are the first four flavors of Jello? Do you know? Want to take uh, a guess? Can I take a guess? <laughs> okay, I think Colin and I talked. Sure, about, sure. Uh, orange. Yep. Uh, lime, or maybe green no, apple. Oh, lime isn't introduced until 1930. Okay, green apple. Green apple. So. Green apple. Uh, well, <laughs> much later. What? Okay, so you okay. need no, okay, two, you red, two red, two red, red strawberry, which is ras- raspberry and strawberry, and two citrus, which is lemon and orange. And those are the first four flavors. Okay. But then they start introducing, you know, other flavors like cherry and peach, and um, uh, and of course along the line there's some really obscure ones. And here's a Canadian one for you. Only in Canada. Could you get root beer, bubble gum, cinnamon, pear, and a few other obscure flavors? But my favorite, of course, was... <laughs> I haven't lied to you yet, have I? No, <laughs> no. My, favorite, my, my favorite flavor, and, I, you know, and my favorite story is I love Granny Smith apple. And that was only available in Canada. And, of course, where Lavoie is, is we're about an hour from the Canadian border at Niagara Falls. And so... I would go up the border, cross over, go to the gro- the nearest grocery store, and buy as much Granny Smith apple Jello as I could, and put it in the back of my car, and just hope that somebody going across the border wasn't going to say, "Why do you have cartons of Granny Smith apple <laughs> Jello in your car?" Because I love it, but they don't make it anymore. So like, um, you would you would go to Canada, a Jello smuggler, yeah, smuggle Jello back <laughs> to the United States. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> um, there's obscure things. Yes, yes, yes. So, but yeah, no, it's, it's kind of intriguing. It really is intriguing uh, product, and and it's gone. You know, its popularity has waned on and off. Um, and um, you know, I think there was a 
There was a big surge when Jell-O introduced Jell-O Jigglers, which was food that you could eat with your fingers. And, um, and of course, the notorious Jell-O shots. And um, yes. I, I, <laughs> I, um, and there's a story. I mean, there are a couple people that claim that they were the ones that introduced Jell-O shots. But if we look historically, which is, of course, my job, um, there were gelatins that were made with wine and other kinds of alcohol um, for a long time before Jell-O came wow. in with Jell-O shots. But wow. um, the story that I liked was that there were a bunch of high school kids in California who wanted a little kicker at noon, so they would make Jell-O shots, and everybody just thought they were eating Jell-O jigglers, and, well, they weren't. But, um, and, and my favorite recipe is my dad's. Um, he, uh, uh, again, a kind of an obscure story um, is that in Rochester, there was a mob boss by the name of Gin Jello. <laughs> and my dad made his jello shots with gin, so they were gin jellos. Huh. And uh, I'm not a gin fan, so I have a tendency to make them with, uh, with vodka. But um, I just recently came across a wonderful recipe for root beer, spiced root beer jello shots made with spiced rum and, and a can of root beer and Ooh. actually unflavored gelatin. But yeah, pretty Lynn, good stuff. I have to ask you do you know yeah. if this mob boss, Gin Jello, ever caught word of your father's jello shot that was made in his life? Uh, no, because he was long dead by the time my dad entered Jello. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to get these jello yeah. recipes from you oh yeah uh, i'll be glad to share yeah <laughs> i have i wanted to ask as well uh, jello's popularity in you know mass american culture seemed to wane and correct me if i'm wrong for the 80s and 90s but as a story in yep. yourself do you know if there's have you do you have any opinions on a particular reason why that happened Oh, golly, I don't know. I, um, yes and no to a certain extent. I, you know, um, I, I was recently asked to contribute to a, a, an article about somebody talking about, they, they, the first question they asked me is, uh, I'm doing an article on junk food. And I said, yeah. And they said, could you talk about Jell-O? And I said, I don't really consider it to be junk food. Um, and, um, but it, it's because of artificial coloring, artificial flavoring, and lots of sugar. You know, and um, so uh, I don't know. That conversation didn't go too well because I yeah. really wasn't just that Jello was a junk food. Because I mean, when it was first introduced, it was considered to be a good replacement for all these heavy desserts that the Victorians were eating. Mm. So that's why you see, you know, it's all there's always room for Jello. Well, by the 80s and 90s, people are reading labels on boxes. So I think that that you know, I think that contributed, but also. Mm. Um, Jello, Jello was maybe too simple. Um, you know, there was all this kind of uh, I don't know what you want to call it, kind of uh, upper class, you know, food. When you were cooking, you just didn't cook up Jello and give it to somebody. You wouldn't mm -hmm. give it to them when they came, you know, to company or something of the sort. And and so, but it never really. I mean. I, we always know when somebody is from the East Coast or the West Coast when they come through the Jello Museum because they always whisper that they like Jello. It's like, oh, do I dare even admit that I wow. like Jello? People from the Midwest, it's just part of their culture. It's part of their food culture. It's part of their family culture. 
you know, Aunt So-and-So always brings some kind of Jello dish to Thanksgiving dinner or to Christmas. So it really depends on where you are. But Jello is, you know, is still pretty strong um, implanted in the Midwest yeah. as part of their food culture. Highest per capita, the last I heard, the, li- the highest capita uh, consumption, per person consumption, is still in Utah. And the highest per capita consumption of lime jello is in Utah. So hmm. at that point where if you are said, hey, I'm bringing a green salad for supper or to the church social, it's not. Oh. Oh. Lynn, I think, can you hear us? We can't hear you. It looks like you cut out. It might. Oh, it's me. One second, folks. One second. Colin, if you can hear Lynn, keep going forward. Let me just get reconnected here. This is completely my fault. My internet just went out. Hold up. Holy cow, everything just went out. What's going on here? The Jello Museum, and of course there were two imposters in me. But on the desk was the gelometer, which tests the what's called the bloom of the gelatin. Uh-huh. They don't do it that way anymore. But it basically tests the jiggliness of Jello, and um, <laughs> you have to plug it in. A little plunger goes in, and they—it's kind of complicated. They do it by light refraction now, but yeah. It, uh, but what does the does, does it have a meter that says not jiggly enough or too jiggly? No, it, no, no, that would make it too easy. <laughs> um, there's a little plunger. You have to make a dish of Jello, and you put it in there, and then you plug it in, and the whole plunger goes down and and then goes into the gelatin and as it does it records how much effort uh it takes to plunge into the jello and uh, i mean it's more complicated it just places gunshot into this thing that they weigh and then they know and i always thought it was the bloom of jello with a small b found out that the guy that invented the gelometer and the whole like you know the whole thing of testing the bloom his name was bloom with a capital b so i have to go through and i haven't done it yet i've got to change my labels in my exhibit and change all those small b blooms to (laughs) you know capital b blooms but um yeah um jello initially i mean and this is gets a little on the jello democratized elitist food and most people don't believe that but certainly in the 17 and 1800s people you didn't serve jello to the kids when they came home from school it wasn't kids food it was the centerpiece Uh of the table because it took so long to to make it from scratch okay and it took a couple days and it was expensive ingredients you know lots of sugar most you know people couldn't get sugar and um especially fresh fruit to flavor it so it was an elitist food all of a sudden for 10 cents you can have the same food that the rich people have on their table and so their early advertising is to say and again this gets back to you know what you want to believe i mean the guy comes and go to the store and he says yep 
this stuff will make, you know, this jelly. And um, all you have to do is add two cups of hot water. And they're saying, sure. You know, <laughs> we, you know, we never made that stuff. And, and it took days. But so you had to, you know, go on that whim that, yeah, it was going to make this delicious, beautiful gelatin jelly that would be on the centerpiece of the table. And um, their advertising shows um, it being served by butlers. And wow. at restaurants and at afternoon teas. So when it becomes, and, and part of it has to do with the marketing towards whether you're advertising this product to kids. And no, it wasn't advertised to kids until until the 1950s. Okay. And then you see their advertising because at that by the 1950s, parents were saying to the kids, "What would you like? I'm going to get something at the store. What would you like?" Before that, you you told the kids what they were going to eat. <laughs> you didn't ask them, right? So yeah. their advertising changes to kids by the 50s and 60s, and um, and you can trace you can trace American culture and history by looking at Jello ads. So that, like during the Depression, um, their ads are basically saying, you may not be able to afford anything else, but for 10 cents a box, you can have a wonderful dessert. Oh, during yeah. World War II, right? And w- during World War II, there was a sugar shortage. You had to have ration um, stamps to get sugar. And so um, Jello was rationed because of its sugar content, but they you could still get it. You'd have to use your sugar. But they said, you can make this wonderful dessert, you know, using Jell-O. And the story in Leroy was that the people that worked at the Jell-O company didn't have to use their sugar rest because they would just dip into the sugar bins and take a couple of hands full of sugar home with them. And um, so they didn't so they didn't have to use their sugar <laughs> ration. But, wow. but yeah, and, and so then you get into... So after World War II, their advertising is Jello again. You can go to the store and buy it, and uh, and then um, in then, so so you kind of yeah. Oh, sorry. No, you can keep going. Yep. I I I cut out for a second, so I think I missed a little bit. But oh, I wanted okay. I wanted to ask you: Is there like a have yep. you? Is there like a most peculiar flavor of Jello that you've tried or heard of? Well, one of my favorite old recipes that I'm kind of known for is um, horseradish jello. Hmm. What? It didn't come in that. I know. Well, um, <laughs> it didn't come in horseradish. <laughs> it didn't come in horseradish flavor. But you would make. Uh, you take a green pepper, hollow it out, and then you take like lemon jello, and you'd put into when you made that. Then you would put in, you know a cup of horseradish and let it solidify and pour it in the pepper and then when you want to um, serve that with roast beef you'd cut the pepper into wedges and, and put it on the plate it was great um, wow. I love it okay so that's a recipe that I really like as far as flavors go um, they they came out with coffee flavored gelatin not pudding coffee flavored gelatin they came out with chocolate-flavored gelatin. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, they came out in the 60s. There was celery and um, seasoned tomato, tomato, which brings up the question, is, yeah, is Jell-O a salad or a dessert? Right. 
both. And I figure if it's served with mayonnaise, it's got to be a salad. If it's served yeah. with whipped cream, <laughs> it's got to be a dessert. That's okay? it. Because Jello salad was I a like big that thing, reason, right? <laughs> yeah. No. Jello so, salad was yeah, quite popular. There's, there's, there's discussion points all over the place, and of course. Blue was introduced, and I can't remember when, but now, of course, we can celebrate the 4th of July with Jello with red, white, blue. And um, blue, it's not its not blueberry. Some people think it's blueberry. It's not blueberry. It's very blue. It's just sweet and blue, mm. and kids like it. And mm. you can make blue goo volcanoes and um, Jello aquariums with uh, gummy fish swimming in them because of blue. Mm. Right? Okay. Yeah. Lynn, <laughs> is there, I yeah. guess, two things. Um, yeah. The museum is located very close to, pretty close to Montreal, right? Can you tell the listeners where it is? Um, it's actually, it's it's 30 minutes south of Rochester. So, uh-huh. I mean, Montreal to me is, is, I don't know, it's a couple hours up the yeah. north way. But um, <clears throat> we're, um, we're right close to exit 47 in the throughway. So, um we are, oh, I don't know, an hour east of Niagara Falls. We're half an hour south of, of Rochester and an hour and a half from Syracuse, I uh, guess maybe what's, is. What's the town called and what's the museum called? Okay, it's it's the, um, we call it the Jello Gallery. And um, we are uh, in Leroy, New York, and it should be Leroy, not Leroy. And that's another story. <laughs> and, um, and, of course... <laughs> and um, right now, of course, we're you know we're waiting to hear uh, when we'll be able to open. But right. um, uh, you know, we welcome about uh, in an ordinary year about ten thousand people kind of come through. It's not a huge museum; it's kind of small. Like I said, we're a local little historical society. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, we uh, we have a good time. We have a good uh, gift shop. You can you know only place you can get a Jello T-shirt. And, in five different Whoa. flavors, and uh, yeah, I had okay. one more question for you. I was curious how often you eat Jello. Would you say every day? <laughs> I like Jello a lot, and I, and to be honest with you, I do have Jello in the refrigerator all the time. Um, <laughs> right now, it's uh, <laughs> it's Island Pineapple um, that just seemed to hit the ticket. Um, and I just mixed some raspberry, no, strawberry jello in with my rhubarb sauce because I love rhubarb. Of course, I don't make rhubarb flavored jello. And so I cooked up my rhubarb and I didn't have any fresh strawberries. So I threw in a box of strawberry jello. That is amazing. Well, <laughs> then we're. We are going to have to get... I feel like we don't have any resources for good jelly recipes. I'm going to have to get some from you. I will send you some, okay? All right. And Because uh, I've got your email address. I'll send you some recipes, um, some obscure ones and some uh, um, some not-so-obscure ones. And, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, and that is the great thing about Jello is try to be creative, right? Absolutely. <laughs> And uh, Lynn, mm-hmm. you had sent me some really cool um, Canadian memorabilia with Jello. You yeah. sent me some hockey puck molds, some Canadian yeah. hockey uh, themed Jello yep. stuff, and so I will yep. be posting that to this the show Instagram. <laughs> sure. Well, and and I didn't send you the photograph because I didn't go up to get it, but we do have the uh, 
Montreal Expos blue plastic jello mold, and we also have the Toronto Blue Jays uh, jello mold in the collection. Oh, and wow. um, oh, <laughs> and they are collector's <laughs> items. And um, we also have back in oh gosh, I don't know, maybe twenty years, twenty five years ago, there were you could collect these little coins. They were plastic coins that were in the boxes of jello, and there was a a automobile um, collection and I think an airplane collection. And um, so we have those. We also have uh, some of my favorite boxes of the uh, um, uh, apple jello. Um, and of course, we turn them so that the French side is out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, yes, we do have the hockey puck uh, jello molds, um, which always brings attention to the collection so that's awesome well thanks so much lynn for speaking with us today this was such an awesome interview and i am so excited to visit the museum once everything opens back up again that'd be great you just <laughs> let me know and we'll make sure you get uh you, you get to to see everything okay oh we'll do i'll <laughs> send you an email ahead of time <laughs> okay great great awesome. good talking to you yep. thanks lynn Thank you. Bye. Bye. Jello, 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 j
Okay, folks, that was our interview with Lynn Blusio of the Leeward Historical Society that runs the Jello Gallery. That's the foremost Jello Museum over in upstate New York. Not that far away, a few hours. You can go yourself. We'll put that information up on the show page, ckut.tuesday on Instagram, folks. In the aisles of the grocery store at your local A and P. Consumer speak, please. A B C D master. Consumer speak, please. A B C D master.
CKUT 90.3 Hold up. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Wow, okay. Let's get Colin on air here. It's a bizarre day. Colin. Yeah. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Okay, I can hear you. Dude, that was crazy. Yeah, well, that's showbiz, baby. Okay, so basically what happened is like mid-interview with Lynn, our Jello guide, my internet completely cut out. And being that I'm talking to you and Lynn via Zoom, via internet connection, uh, thank you for keeping Lynn you know, speaking to her while I was getting stuff figured out, but I missed a big chunk of the conversation, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Do you remember the story she told about the brainwaves? I'm really bummed out I missed that, and I'm bummed out the listeners missed it. Oh, it wasn't recording? No, dude, it wasn't recording for any of the time that I wasn't with you. Bummer. Um, no, I don't remember it well enough to repeat it because I was also in the middle of texting you frantically about trying to get back on air. So Yeah. I mean, I guess the listeners, I, I, I can't capture the really the spirit of Lynn and how charismatic she is. It's not going to be interesting when I tell it. But essentially, I, I don't know. Should I say it, Colin? Essentially, there's this like urban legend that somebody measured the brain waves of cello and that they could pick up brain waves with it. But really, the no, story. No, they did do it. Yeah, they did do it. And really, the story goes is that it was actually a researcher at McMaster University, which is in Canada, which Lynn was telling me the story. And. He did EEG, which is a way to measure brain waves, essentially. He did it on a piece of jello, just as a point to his students that, you know, EEG is not perfect, that you can technically pick up signals from non neural sources. So, and he used jello to illustrate that because he put the electrodes on the jello and it picked up what looked like brain waves, but obviously it wasn't. It was just wiggling jello. And that was a Canadian researcher, folks. What Canadian, a good guy. Good guy. Canadian researcher is very astute scientist. But anyways, here's the other thing, Colin. Is Adam, we know, this is a two-hour show, and we normally do this in one shot. On the weekend, you know, pre-record one shot. But... Now, I don't know how long we have to go. I guess I'll just have to fill the time with my storytelling and, you know? Well, I mean, I, I think we're quite over, is my point. Oh. <laughs> so, my guess is that... I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say 20 more minutes or so, maybe one more good set of music. We'll talk a bit and then we'll go. Uh, and I might have to cool. fill out whatever before the show airs on, you know, on Tuesday morning. 
Listeners, yeah. if you haven't figured this out by now, well, you know, obviously this is a pre-record and it's a remote pre-record from home, so we're doing this on the weekend. It's for the Tuesday listeners out there. If any. Well, Colin, you seem quite uh, busy, as usual, whatever you're doing. And quite I unengaged. Think you have something that... Oh no, it's you know whatever. It's fine, Colin. Do whatever you want. I guess we'll just get back into the music here on CK UT ninety point three, folks. You can find the set list for today at CKUT.Tuesday on Instagram. Remember, you're listening to ninety point three FM in Montreal.
folks. CKUT 90.3 FM. You're listening to the Tuesday morning show. That's every Tuesday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. And uh, I think we're just approaching the end here. Again, we had, you know, we're remote broadcasting this, or remote streaming this pre-record. So this is done on a weekend, and we had some technical issues today, so... Normally we do this in one shot, but I am not entirely sure if we are really at the end or if I'm going to have to do some post-show editing here. Well, Colin? Yes, Scott? Are you having a hard time hearing me? Yeah, I don't know if it's my headphones, though. So was there a favorite thing you learned about Jello today? We didn't really get to digest. Recap. Yeah, I feel like usually we we have an interview and then uh, we can talk about the interview after, you know, some hot goss. <laughs> I know, man. But this time, no dice. No dice, man. We, we both had some crazy technical issues. I know. It's weird because your internet was messing up and then once yours started working mine wasn't i know another mess thing up mess thing about my is that we were like mid interview and this it's crazy this happened right now but again mid interview my internet goes out we share internet with my neighbors which is a point of contention with me and my, uh, my roommate here but this is exactly why because like i had to get try to go over to the neighbors and like get them <coughs> Luckily, she's home. We tried to figure out what's going on with the router. Uh, couldn't figure out, and so I come back. And so my backup plan usually. <coughs> okay, Colin, you all right there? Uh, Excuse me. My backup plan is that I can just like tether data from my phone. Just like okay, so then I try to do that, but then like at the same time, my phone like had no service. So yeah, I, like, I think it was a blip in the space-time continuum. I know. I had to like restart my phone, got service again, tethered my phone to the Wi-Fi, to the, my Mac, which is eating up my data like crazy. And uh, but by the That's time I, by the time I got back on, I, I missed like, a lot of what Lynn had to say. I think. It's weird that I stayed on with her. I mean, as far as the Zoom call goes, that it was still. Anyways, technology. I love technology. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, I think that my favorite, <laughs> honestly, my favorite thing that I learned uh, was that she maybe doesn't eat Jello every day, but at least has it made in her fridge ready to be eaten. Dude. That Excellent. is amazing to me. Also, the, the culinary knowledge in that woman. Look at all those yeah. jello recipes. Those need to get written down. Yeah, well, I'm sure that she has them written down. They're probably not all hers, right? Well, maybe not, but I mean, do you do you think that, like, why would you just assume that she would have all sorted down? I don't know. She I mean, was talking about how the person that did the uh, the neurological study on Jello 
was named, forget the name, but it was the capital. She has to go through all the entirety of her museum and change all the placards with the name on it from a lowercase b to a capital B. Yeah. So it sounds like she's pretty meticulous in her note taking. I mean, I would hope. I, I guess the only reason I say that is because, like, unfortunately, thing with Jello, and like, if for most dishes you make, like, if you didn't write your recipe down, there is a recipe out there. Like you said, you got that recipe from some other available source. But I don't know if that is true for Jello. I would say most of the Jello recipes. Jello salads or Jello desserts are probably are all archival and that they existed in like mid-century cookbooks. But I, do you do you think there's a central place to find Jello recipes? And if there is, let me know. I mean, I would assume so, just because that's kind of how our you know culinary world works, but. I don't know. I could be wrong. I mean, you know, the Midwest is huge with their their Jello, right? So, it seems like there's there's some Ohio cookbooks out there. Well, one can hope, Colin. I hope you're yeah. right. I hope your optimism beats my pessimism. Pessimism. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I don't know what my favorite thing was. Maybe the fact that Lynn we traveled to Canada to smuggle Granny Smith apple flavored Jello back into the United States. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, I think that when she was saying that, and then I was like, "Okay, so you smuggled Jello?" She, I think she was like, "Oh no, I just let out some incriminating evidence against myself." Hopefully, the hopefully the FBI doesn't have like a Jello. <laughs> That was good. Yeah. All right, Colin. Well, uh, should we say goodbye? I would say that it isn't goodbye. More or less until next time. More or less until next time. Yeah. Colin, do you like uh, cow- cowboy copas? Uh, I can't say I'm familiar off the top of my head. The country but singer? This is the classic conundrum with me is that I know so many songs and artists, but can never remember names or titles. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I feel the same way. It's all an illusion that I, that I know music. I really don't. Um, <laughs> well, I was going to say, I can You heard it here f- first, folks. <laughs> Scott doesn't know anything about music. I know, I know nothing. <laughs> I guess I can. Cl- I usually ask you to close out with country songs. I feel bad that I didn't ask you for one. Oh, it's okay. I was just happy to be here for the for the Jello representation. Yeah, me too. That's a great. I think we are doing good interviews the last couple weeks. You're you're really you're you're pulling them out of the hat, man. I'm I here. I'm here for it. I think I found my groove. <laughs> I don't care about anything. Now we just need to get Nardwar on here. Dude. If anyone is listening, listen, if any Canadian is listening and they have any information on how to interview Nardwar, how to get a hold of him, anything, we would love to talk to Nardwar the Human Serviette. All right, Colin. Well, on that note, let's play this song, Cowboy Copas. 
And uh, you're listening to the Tuesday morning show on CK 90.3. Doot, 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 doot. Doot, doot.